Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you someone who has high upside potential in your business and yet sometimes that goal is just hard to get to and maybe the only way you've seen to get to it is just to make more calls, you know, work harder? Well, if you're fed up with using old strategies to solve new problems, then I might have a solution. It's my five-day million-dollar seller challenge. We meet one hour a day in a coaching intensive where I will teach you five moves that you can make to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com. You've doubtlessly been in this situation before. You're asked to come in and present. You've got one shot. You've got a head-to-head competitor that's presenting prior to you. What do you do? How do you handle it? In this episode, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. Are you ready? Are you ready? Then brace yourself. Let's go. It's time for the Bill Kasky Podcast, a weekly show carefully crafted to help you grow your skills and your results in business. Now, here's your host, Bill Kasky. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. You know, before we get started today, I want to uh, share with you that I'm doing a special masterclass on August the 8th. And some of the things that we're going to talk about today in the show are things that I'm going to be sharing with you in a much in much more depth and much more detail. If you have not yet registered, I invite my podcast listeners to be the first to register. We just opened this up here a few days ago. Go to thecaskeyclass.com, thecaskeyclass.com. It's a 60-minute masterclass that I'm doing on August the 8th at high noon, and it's going to be live, and I want you to attend. And it's really going to be about how can you 2X your business. This is a class for business-to-business sales and account people who are looking and serious and committed to growth, personal growth, revenue growth, income growth. But if you'll go to thecaskeyclass.com, it will be on there, and I'd love for you to attend. And today, and in the next several podcasts, many recordings that we're doing this week, I'm going to tell you about a story. And this story, uh, I have firsthand information about how this worked because I knew the client who two different vendors were pitching to. And I got it on firsthand information. I knew my client was one of the vendors and I also knew the client as well who they were pitching their uh, services to. And I, I fully understand what happened and I wanted to share it with you today. It's very interesting And I'm going to take some liberty with how I describe what I think the other vendor went through before they did their presentation. And I'll also describe what my client went through because I know because I helped him with it a little bit. So I want to share this with you. And it's really a story of presentation skills. And I know we don't talk about that so much on this podcast. It really is important, you know, when you think about communication and how you communicate your value to potential clients and clients, presentations are one of many ways. There's the face-to-face, there's the phone calls, there's webinars, there's all sorts of different vehicles and technologies, but the face-to-face presentation where you are belly button to belly button in front of somebody and you are explaining your value and you're you know interacting with them is a real critical part, for, at least for this client, and it probably is for you to some degree. So I'm going to call these two sales organizations that we're pitching, I'm going to call them the pit bulls 
and the problem solvers. And I want to share with you first what the pit bulls did as they prepared. And again, I'm taking some license a little bit here, but I know how these, I know how these internal meetings work because I've been a part of them. I've been on both sides of the desk of these things. And so I kind of, I'm, I'm reading into this a little bit, but here was the situation, a prospect who I knew, but that's irrelevant, was looking for a vendor to help them with certain services. And they narrowed it down to, they, they started with five or six people they had a conversation with, and then they went down, narrowed it down to two people. And you've heard that whole talent show thing or audition, whatever you want to call it. And so they had these two vendors in and they were going to make their pitch and they had about an hour to do their pitch. And then they were going to make a decision at the end. And again, you've heard this before. So let let me tell you what happened. The pit bulls were the first to go. And I suspect that they had some kind of an internal strategy meeting where they talked about, okay, what are the slides and what do we want to cover and who's going to do what to whom and what, what are the roles we're all going to play. And I suspect that they decided they were just going to leave everything on the table and go for it. They were going to pitch, 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 pitch really hard because they knew they had one chance. And, and that really is kind of erroneous, too, when we say, well, we got one chance to get this. Puts a lot of pressure on. But I, I know this company that did this, and I know that's the way they do it. So I'm sure they assembled all their PowerPoints and they declared all their skills. I know this because I talked to the uh, customer, of course. They, they talked a lot about their skills, their competencies. Their slides had pictures of current clients saying these wonderful things about them, which, you know, we've all, we've all done slides like that. Some of their slides even dissed the competition, suggesting that only they had the proper solution. And then the last slide asked for the business. They were coached to do that by their trainer, who I also know, and I know that they, they're a little bit aggressive, and so they wanted to ask for the business on the last slide, and, and so they did so. As they drove back to the office, I can hear them in the car. I can hear them congratulating each other on just a remarkable presentation. The salesperson probably said, man, those guys would be absolute fools not to do business with us. I can just hear it. I I know exactly. I've been in that same car. I've been the one saying, man, we were awesome today, weren't we? So my client, on the other hand, went in, and we'll call them the problem solvers. They, too, had an internal strategy meeting. They talked about what to cover, just like the pit bulls did. But the CEO decided they should take a very different approach, and he called it a high-intent strategy. We've talked about that before on this podcast, but it's, it's an approach based on being helpful than on pitching. And so right up front, they relayed their intention for this meeting to their host, to the customer company, prospect company, and they said, in so many words, our goal today is to help you make the proper decision for your unique situation, whether you choose us or whether you choose someone else. We fully understand you're looking at other people and we appreciate being invited to the table here, but we also know we're not a fit for everybody and we just want to help you as you decide which path to go down. So they devoted the first 20 minutes in the meeting to questioning the prospect to make sure they understood the entire problem and the vision that the customer had with clarity in their own words, not the words of the, vend- of the vendor, but in the, in the customer's words. They wanted to understand that. So they went around to each person in the room asking the same question. And the question was this, what is the one outcome you want with this project? 
And what they got was they got people who had several outcomes, but they really narrowed it down to everybody needed to come up with one. Now, some of these outcomes were the same. I think there were five people in the room, four or five people. Some of the outcomes were the same. Some weren't. But this was eye-opening because it helped them see, helped my clients see that not everybody was on the same page on this. And you find that a lot. You know, the statistic now is that six, is it 6.4 or 6.6 people are involved in the average B2B decision. Now, that might be over a certain amount of money, but let's just say that lots of people are involved. And if you're selling to lots of people, you need to know what each person's interest is in solving the problem or achieving the possibility. And so they wanted to go around to each person and they did. So when it came time for them to talk about themselves, instead of pitching like the other group did, they spent time on sharing the trends that customers like this prospect in this niche faced, given the chaotic market the prospect was in. This was a very confusing and disrupted market, and there was a lot of stuff going around the edges, and they wanted to share the five trends. I think it was five that they shared. And the reason for doing this is because they wanted the customer to see what they knew about the area they were in and the niche, the niche that they were in. They also shared their story of origin, which was different, how they came to be, how they look at the market, how not every prospect is a perfect match for them. They shared some counsel on uh, what to look for in a vendor. The industry stats on failed projects were remarkable. I mean, whenever uh, I think the industry average was like 30% over budget, a certain percent of the projects never got completed. So they shared this. And the reason they did again is because they wanted the prospect to know what they knew. And if this helps the prospect to make the decision, so be it again, regardless of who they pick. And they cast a vision then of what the prospect should be thinking about as an end result. So they took some of the visions and some of the outcomes that the prospect wanted, that each individual wanted, but they also shared what they saw as their vision for the result. It was a vision in many ways that exceeded what the customer was thinking. So in, in essence, they raised the bar on what the prospect wanted. And based on their background, their experience, their talent, their wisdom, and what they've done before, they really increased the vision. They talked about what it could look like and how it could be and how they could save money. And, and they really cast their own vision and they got everybody to buy into it. They asked the, the prospect before they started to talk about how they were going to help them, whether this was a vision that they were okay with. They also did something that I, I found interesting, and, and we, we helped them a little bit on this, although I think a lot of this was their idea. They anticipated each objection that the prospect might have, and they framed each one under the heading of common questions. So each question was given a separate slide. It wasn't just a laundry list, bullet point, and 16-point Helvetica type of on one slide. Every question, every objection, but they framed it as a question, as I said, was under a different slide. And they addressed each one of those. They didn't say, here are some of the things you'll object to. They'll, they said, based on where you are, here are some of the most common things we hear, questions that our prospects and clients have, and we want to share with you how we would deal with these and how they, we would answer them. Then they said this, in the event you decide we are who you want to work with, here is what the 90-day game plan looks like, step by step by step by step. 
So what they did there was a little bit of future pacing. They said, look, you know, we're in here. We'd love to work with you, but we also know that it's not our decision. It's yours. And in the event you choose us, here's what it looks like for us to deliver this vision to you and deliver the goods to you. I like that. I think every one of us should be thinking about once the trigger is pulled, let the prospect know what's going to happen. And they had this all mapped out in a month, month at a glance kind of way. And they took each week and said, this week, we're going to be doing the, the kickoff meeting. The next week, we're going to be doing training. The next week, we're going to be doing whatever. So they had this all laid out. They didn't go through each day one by one. But in, in three or four minutes time, they said, in the event, this is what it looks like to do business with us. And there was one other problem, too, and that was that one of the people on the customer team was absent from both meetings, both the first vendor and theirs. And I won't tell you what they what they did in a moment, but they realized that one of the key decision makers, this just wasn't uh, uh, just a person who was in the room. This was a key decision maker who was going to be influential, was absent from this meeting because of a family issue. So as you're probably going to guess, who got the business? And more importantly than who got the business is why did they get the business? So let me tell you about that. There were four reasons that my client got the business. And I found this out from, again, the actual client themselves because I had a relationship with them. And I also found it out from, from my client. Number one, every one of the prospects, every one of the people in the room were fully engaged in the problem solvers presentation. They made sure of that. The other group turned everybody into observers. They didn't really ask any questions. It was all pitch, 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 pitch. And so people were unengaged because they didn't really feel like the other other vendor really listened to them. And they couldn't have listened to them because they didn't ask any questions or very few. Number two, the problem solvers discovered something in the questioning process that no one else had heard. And they found out the prospect was focused on one area of their business that was kind of an outlier. And they didn't hear it during the initial meetings. And the other vendor did not hear it because they didn't ask. And this outlier problem or focus was really the critical component to it all, to it all working. And I know what it was, and I I don't want to say it. It's uh, kind of irrelevant for this discussion, but it was significant enough that my client was the only one that found that. Third reason, remember I told you that one of the prospect's team member was absent. What did they do? Well, they shot a video of their presentation, shortened it and sent it to the missing executive. So what they did was they came back to the office, they talked about it in the car and said, you know what, this person is such a critical component of this decision making that we need to do something for them. And so they shot a video where they had a uh, easel page with the key components of the presentation and some of the things they went over. It was like a three, four, five minute video. I don't know how long it was. I saw it. It was really good. It was very, very basic. It wasn't overly produced. And then they sent it and they sent it to everybody, including a follow up email specifically for the absent person and said, you know, I realized that you missed our meeting. Sorry about that. What we did because we wanted you to hear what happened. We did a quick video. If you'll click here, it'll take you to the link and you can watch it. And it's just an overview of what we did. So that's reason number three. And reason number four They never had any resistance. They didn't have any objections. Why was that? Well, remember I said they did an FAQ slide, a series of slides on some of the most common objections framed in questions. They handled them all there. 
So they handled the pricing objection. They handled the what happens if this project failed objection. They handled the what's the timeline? What if the timeline gets pushed back? I mean, they handled literally, I think there were, I can't remember, eight or nine of these things. And these were the most typical objections that people in this situation have. And they handled each of them up front. So not only did they not have them to deal with during the presentation, but the prospect felt so totally comfortable that they knew exactly how to handle these things that it was it was almost a fear of missing out that they instilled in the prospect where if they didn't buy from them, they were a little bit afraid they were going to have these situations and the other vendor did not tell them at all how they were going to handle these things. So those are the four reasons that they got the business. So what's the lesson for you here? I think the lesson should be pay attention to the little things. The little things are not how great you are. Of course, you're, you're good because you're in the position of presenting and pitching. So you must be somewhat good or you wouldn't even be invited to the table. But the little things are, did we keep the prospect engaged? Did we ask them the questions that helped them clarify their problem, their pain, their focus, their aspiration for this whole thing? Did we handle the objections and the resistance in a way that was graceful and elegant rather than doing the whole arm wrestling match at the end where a customer says, well, how do I justify the price? And then we tell them how to justify the price and it doesn't quite hit home. They did this in a very elegant and eloquent style so the prospect didn't have the objections that typically they do. This all goes back to my uh, episode here from a couple of weeks ago where I said you ought to be closing 80% of the deals you quote and propose and present. And this is part of that. You will close 80% if you pay attention to the details. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about in the masterclass. Going to talk about some more of these issues that they dealt with, how they got to the table. Uh, it's going to be a, a cornucopia, if you will, of, of ideas and strategies and techniques that will help you 2x your business here in the next year or so. So if you'll go to thecaskeyclass.com and sign up, it's complimentary, it's free. And we'll talk about uh, some more of these things, and, and I'll kind of guide you down the path from where you are today to where I think you probably want to be a year from now, which is in a 2X position where you've doubled your income, thecaskeyclass.com, thecaskeyclass.com. I look forward to seeing you on it. I'm going to be talking some more here this week about some of these other issues that uh, we're going to be covering in that class. But go to thecaskeyclass.com, limiting it to 100 people because of my... Uh, Zoom conferencing software. So as soon as you can get your name in, if you're inclined, I'd love to have you there and I'll see you on the 8th, if not before. If you want more Caskey, go to BillCaskey.com and you can get on his list or set up a time to speak live. And make sure you share this episode with your tribe too. 